Second reading is from the book of 2 Timothy. You must understand this, that in the last days distressing times will come, for people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, inhuman, implacable, slanders, prolificates, brutes, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the outward form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid them. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable, convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in, te- in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to miss. As for you, always be sober, enduring suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Carry out your ministry fully. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Yes, Jesus loves me. And Jesus loves you. Do you believe it? Yes. How do you know? The Bible tells me so. The Bible tells us. That's right. The Bible. The Bible is God's word to us. A gift from God. His word spoken to our ears we might hear and believe, to believe it to be true for us, that Jesus loves us, to trust in him, to have faith. This is is God's design for how he creates faith in us, that we would hear his word in our ears, that it would sink into our hearts, and that he would ignite faith, belief, trust in him to be our Savior. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves you, and we know it because the Bible says it. 
The scriptures proclaim it. They are proclaimed by preachers down through the ages, those eyewitnesses down to our own day today, that we might hear and believe. St. Paul lifts up the importance of the scriptures, of hearing the word of God in his letter to 2 Timothy. We've been hearing out of this final letter uh, to uh, St. Timothy, the young pastor from St. Paul over these past weeks, uh, generally believed to be the last letter that we have of St. Paul's uh, as uh, he uh, was writing these letters to encourage young pastors as they continue to pass on the faith generation to generation. And these words come into our hearing today and encourage us as well. He says in the reading we heard this morning, he says how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. God breathes into the scriptures his very word, so that when they are read in our hearing, we can know the voice of God, to hear the voice of Jesus, to know God's revealed word, his will, revealed in the scriptures for us. There is much in life that we are uncertain about, much that we have questions about, but this is a place when we come to his word where we can find truth, certainty. And that's because God's word is inseparable from God himself. To some degree, this is true even for us. When you give your word to someone, you are making a promise that you're going to follow through. Whether that word goes through a verbal promise or a signature on a dotted line, you are saying, I'm good for it. Whatever it is that you are saying, I'll pay the loan. I'll fulfill my vow, whatever it is. My word, it's inseparable from me. You can count on me for it. And we give it so that people can call us on it. And we, and we expect that. So you can depend on me. I will follow through and do what I say. And we know, of course, that as humans, sinful, fallen as we are, we don't always follow through. Sometimes we say one thing, but we do another. That is never the case with God. God does not contradict himself. God does not say one thing and do another. He says something and it happens. God is trustworthy. God is dependable. So is his word. We can stake our lives on it. Indeed, we must. That is why St. Paul lifts this up. He says that all Scripture is inspired by God. He says, read this word. 
Read it. Teach it, St. Timothy, so that people may hear and by faith be saved. By trusting in that word. God's word is dependable. How do we know Jesus loves us? Because the Bible tells us that it is so. Because God has declared it to be so. Vitally important for us. But as you heard, that's not all that St. Paul had to say in this letter to 2 Timothy. In fact, he started off by talking about this. You must understand this, that in the last days, distressing times will come, for people will be lovers of themselves. And he goes on with this list of ways in which we love ourselves and our own thoughts and our own feelings and opinions more than we love God and how it leads us to all kinds of unholy action and belief and thinking and speech. We live in these last days. Those last days started uh, all the way back then with the resurrection of our Lord through the preaching of St. Paul and Timothy already in those days, the last days, down through today. These last days will continue until the last day when Jesus returns and makes all things right. We live in these last days, and in these last days, people don't want to hear God's word. God speaks, but we stop up our ears. God speaks clearly, and we confuse it. And we find for ourselves teachers who will tell us things that we want to hear. St. Paul says it this way. He says, The time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away into myths. Even as he wrote this, those days had come. Those days are here. When we have itching ears, things go into our ears and we want to, to hear something that will soothe them, that will make the itching go away. Scratch it, we say, and we look for something that will make it stop. We hear God's word. It's very clear. And then we bump up against something in life that contradicts God's word. And we're made uncomfortable because we like that thing that contradicts God's word. And so we say, hmm, if only there was a way to make me comfortable again, to reconcile the two. But God cannot contradict himself. So the only thing we can do is find people who will claim to speak for God who are lying. If you hear two people claim to speak for God but they contradict each other, either one or both are wrong. What can't be right is that they're both right because God does not contradict himself. 
God's word is trustworthy. It is dependable. It does what it says. That's how we can know that Jesus loves me because God is clear that it is so. So when you hear God say he created them male and female, but then you go out into this world and you hear people say, well, male and female, but maybe there's another way. Or males can feel like they're females, and that's valid. Or females can feel like they're males, and that's valid. And uh, you, especially when you know people, friends, family, neighbors, loved ones, co-workers, who are struggling with these things, My, wouldn't it be nice if we could have somebody, a preacher, come to us and tell us, yes, God's word says male and female, he created them, but maybe there are some other ways. No, and not just maybe, but there are other ways of being. Wouldn't that be nice? Then I could rest well at night. And indeed, in ELCA pulpits today, you will hear that very thing proclaimed. In fact, You know, people get all up in arms about drag queen story hour at the local library. You can go onto YouTube and find where they had drag queen story hour from the pulpit with the children's message in an ELCA congregation in Chicago. How does such a thing happen? Scratching of itching ears. Be not fooled, God does not contradict himself. Male and female, he made them. To come maybe a little closer to home, since we don't see that happening here in this congregation. We have family members, friends, loved ones, co-workers, who are married. But we don't call it that, because they haven't been married before the state. The state doesn't recognize their union. But God is very clear. If a man has sexual intercourse with a woman, they are one flesh, married in the eyes of God. But we don't call it that. They're living together. They're doing the thing that is reserved for marriage, in fact, that makes one married. But we don't call them married. We say, we come up with other euphemisms for it. But God's word is clear. God does not contradict himself. And then to make matters worse, while we will look at that and we'll say they're not married, even though they are in the eyes of God, even so, we will look at other people and we'll say, they're married, even though God says that you shall not lay, a man shall not lay with another man as with a woman. And we'll say, they're married, because the state says so. But God says this is not so. And God does not contradict himself. doesn't matter if it's preached from an ELCA pulpit or not, or you can hear about it happening down the road, as comfortable as it might make you feel because of the loved ones in your life who are living in these ways, nevertheless, God's word is clear. To find people who say otherwise 
is to be scratching itching ears. God's word is clear, but sometimes it doesn't make sense in our minds what God says. We come forward for the Lord's Supper and we receive in our hands what looks like bread and wine. Feels like bread, smells like wine, tastes like bread, tastes like wine. Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood, in, with, and under the bread and the wine. How can that be, we think to ourselves? Well, Jesus says it is. But you can find plenty of Christians today who will say, no, when he says this is my body, what he means is this symbolizes my body. We really don't know what's going on there, but it doesn't really matter what you believe about it. Just take it and go home. (laughs) Oh no, this matters what Jesus says. When he says, this is my body, he's saying, I am with you. I enter into you. You are in communion with me as I am with the Father. This is for the forgiveness of sins. Your sins through the eating and drinking of this bread and wine, my body and blood, is for you the very forgiveness of sins. It's vital that we take God at his word. So when he says it is, we say yes. Even if it doesn't make complete rational sense, if we can't make it all add up according to our head, we submit to God. There is a truth. There is such a thing as absolute truth. God's word is truth. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But in the ELCA today, you can hear people say, well, it may be true for you or for us as Christians, but you know, in Islam, they believe that practicing Islam is the way. Or in Buddhism, to practice Buddhism, that that's the way. And really, there are multiple ways. Which is right. Jesus says, I'm the only way. But as we rub up against neighbors and family members who do not follow Jesus, and we want them to be able to be with the Father, wouldn't it be nice if we could find people who would teach us that there are many ways? And so obliging, you'll find many who will say just that. But it is not so. God's word does not contradict himself because God does not contradict himself. He is the truth. He is the life. Jesus. Jesus is risen from the dead. You'll hear, I have heard, ELCA pastors, teachers say, Well, when we say risen from the dead, it's kind of like in America how, you know, 
Thomas Jefferson and the founding fathers live on every time you exercise your patriotic duty and vote or, you know, do other things like serve in the military. They live on in the spirit of America. Well, Thomas Jefferson, you can go and find his grave. And if you dug it up, you could do the DNA tests and you would find he's there. (laughs) Not so with Jesus. He is bodily risen from the dead. If you ever find, you know, in some archaeological dig, they find Jesus' body, we couldn't just carry on as if nothing had changed. St. Paul says, if Jesus is not risen bodily from the dead, pack up and go home. This is all in vain. The eyewitness testimony of those who saw Jesus, who touched his body, risen from the dead, who witnessed him eat, who saw him cook breakfast, who walked with him and talked with him and heard him, is that Jesus is risen from the dead and we stake everything on this. It is proclaimed in the New Testament clearly. It is foreshadowed in the Old Testament. The entirety of scriptures say that this is exactly how God would have it be and it is good news for us, the forgiveness of our sins, salvation and life. Far be it from us to try to wiggle out of it because it doesn't make sense according to our reason and our five senses. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. He rose bodily from the grave for you. He has claimed you as his own in holy baptism to be a member of his own body, to be a member of his kingdom. And he has given you God's word so that you may know these things. Stake your life on them. Trust in them to carry you through in the darkest moments of life and to give you hope for life everlasting. It is the only hope It's the only truth. And it is for you. So hear it. Believe it. And if you find that your life is going off course from what God says, repent and trust in the mercy that these scriptures proclaim, the grace and the forgiveness of your sins for Jesus' sake. Amen.